This podcast is brought to you by StoryKingBooks.com. Sign up to receive a free copy of my latest ebook novella, Kane's Confession. If you would like to learn how to support this show, visit www.patreon.com forward slash the Story King. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King podcast, the show all about fiction, film, and form. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today I have writer slash yoga instructor Ashley Fontes. Ashley Fontes is an author and kids yoga instructor. She has her own podcast and tons of resources on her site, readandyoga.com. I encourage you all to check that out. Here's my conversation with Ashley Fontes. Well, welcome to the Story King podcast. Thank you. So, as I ask all my uh, guests, I'd like to know what is your story? Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? All right. Well, my story goes back quite a while. When I was pregnant uh, 10 years ago, so before I had my first kids, I decided uh, I was having a lot of pain from pregnancy. And so I decided mm-hmm. I should do some yoga. And I had a fantastic coworker um, who was like, hey, there is a style called Iyengar yoga that would be really good for you. So she gave me some hits, she gave me some tips, helped me out to get through my pregnancy and was wonderful. And had the baby, had some complications, nothing too terrible. Look, I was very fortunate. I had a fantastic doctor. After I healed and everything, she told me to go and she found a, a yoga teacher for me. And I started going to these classes and I just fell in love. I fell in love with the style. I fell in love with Iyengar yoga. And I asked the owner if they had child classes. Because I was having a problem. I was having postpartum depression. Um, I didn't know it at the time. I just knew I was having a hard time bonding with my son. He would cry. And when he would cry or wake up in the morning, I would cry. And all I could do was wait for the next time he fell asleep. And I know if you're if you have female listeners um, who've had postpartum depression, then hopefully they can relate to this feeling because Mm -hmm. all I could do was just wait for him to go to sleep because that's when I just finally felt I had a chance and I didn't produce milk. I didn't. So I'm here. He's trying to eat for two, three hours at a time. Then I get 30 minutes rest and then he's up trying to eat again. So I'm constantly tired. I don't feel like I'm bonding. Then I get a little reprieve when I go and do yoga and I feel great. And I'm like, well, what if I do yoga with my son? What if I take this chance? I've heard yoga with children is, is really powerful. What if I go and do yoga with my son? And they didn't have any classes at the time. So I went online and I found some, found some books, found some sites mm-hmm. that um, ended up very useful. And I started doing it at home. And mostly we did stuff. There was, there's essentially two types of yoga you can do with your, with your infant children. 
There's yoga where you can put your child on the ground and then you do yoga while you're watching your child. So that's one, one way of doing yoga with your child. The other way is essentially bonding with your child where you do little games or your little actions with them. You sing row, row, row your boat to them as you tickle their bellies or as you roll their arms and you sit in boat pose or you have them, you sit in boat pose, you put them on your lap and you row their arms. As they, as they get bigger, you can do different things with them. But the whole idea is, is you have this interaction um, with them. And so as I started doing this more and more, I thought, we got to get this into my studio. Mm. And so even though I wasn't certified at the time, I wasn't a teacher at the time, my studio owner loved this idea. And she's like, we used to have children's classes. Let's do it again. I started out with, started out with infants. Then we brought in. So as it grew as my child grew and, you know, we had, it was just an amazing class, an amazing thing. And it just, and with every of my child, we did it again. Every time I had a child, I had three children. So we just okay. did it again and again. And it was a way for me as a mother with postpartum um, to bond with each of my children. And now my children are nine, six, and four. Um, yoga is, is still a strong way. If you've listened to our, to our story, to our um, read in yoga, it's a way we still bond. Okay. And tell me about the specific form of yoga. You said it was called Iyengar. Is, is that right? Yes, that's right. It's Iyengar. And Iyengar? Mm-hmm. Okay. And how does that differ from like other yoga practices? So Iyengar yoga is focused on getting you into the yoga pose. So a lot of times some people are so focused on, well, no, they're focused on getting you into the right pose. So what they want to do is there is the ideal pose. You have the, so you look at those pictures and you see like, oh my gosh, that is the ideal pose. I will never get into that pose. Well, they say, let me give you a prop. Let me give you help. You, you can't touch the ground? Fine, we're gonna raise the ground up and give you a brick. Okay. Now you can touch the ground. So you can't, you can't go upside down by yourself. Here, here's a rope wall. We'll give you support and now you can go upside down on a rope wall as long as you are healthy to be upside down. Gotcha. So their whole thing is yoga has benefits. Every pose in yoga has a benefit. And as you gain the benefits, as you do the yoga, you're going to gain the benefits and the poses are going to naturally come to you. So slow down, gain the benefits of yoga, use the aids that are available and enjoy the process. Don't just try to rush and try to be the next Instagram star. Right, and because right. when you do that, you end up actually like me. I try to rush too quickly into a new pose and I ended up seriously hurting myself trying to be the, you know, be a little splashy. And I seriously injured myself and I've had to really hold back on my yoga practice for quite a while. Um, but that's what happens when 
you don't listen to what you're taught. So Iyengar is basically uh, encouraging people to do modified versions if they can't do the full version. It's teaching people how to properly go in and out of a pose. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching them how to do a pose correctly. Right. We really focus on teaching poses correctly because we want you to do, if you do the pose correctly, then you are able to stay in the pose for longer and gain the benefits of the pose and you won't hurt yourself. That makes sense. So I also learned that you brought yoga to the deaf community. Is that correct? I did. It's one of my, oh, it's one of my dreams that COVID kind of snapped short for me. Uh, um, so I have a dear friend and her son is hard, severely hard of hearing. We formed a nonprofit called ASL Junction and here in California. And that um, nonprofit has been growing for the last four, four or five years now. As a part of that, we're a part of the deaf community. And we obviously learned American Sign Language. And um, we believe it's a very important thing for every person to learn, um, whether you know a deaf person or not, you mm-hmm. are going to encounter a chance where American Sign Language is going to benefit your life. Hmm. Babies definitely should always learn American Sign Language. There's my little plug for babies. <laughs> Parents, always teach American Sign Language. Um, but I had a dream that I wanted to teach a ASL, American Sign Language yoga class, because it's just such a different experience. Um, Because when you're in poses, a lot of the times you're facing away from the students or your head is down or you're not in a position where you're actually facing the students and you're talking. And for students that are deaf, a lot of times when they're in a class like a yoga class, then they need to see your lips if they're able to lip read. Not all deaf people are able to lip read, Hmm. but for those that can, if you're facing away from them, they have no clue what you're saying. So I wanted to have a chance to be, create a class specifically for them where I could sign what I was able to, to my ability, which my ability is not proficient. Hmm. Um, I am able to communicate very nicely, but I'm not proficient in American sign language. And where they could read my lips and we have a good community. We have a good relationship between the six that were there and we were able to have a good three or four classes. And then COVID came in and cut the rest of our classes short. (laughs) So um, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience to be able to teach them. And I have a mentor who lives in Mexico who also provides classes, Iyengar yoga classes for the American Sign, American Sign Language community. Um, so I look forward to being able to continue on and learn from her some more. How many kids would, how many deaf kids would you have in a class, in a typical class? I had adults. We only had, mm. we kept it at six to eight because of the space that we had in the room. Mm-hmm because we had to make sure that everyone was able to see me again for that visual. Mm -hmm. Um, If they couldn't see me, then they wouldn't be able to know what I was saying. 
Right. Would it also be beneficial to have two instructors, one doing the yoga and the other one doing the signing? Oh, that would be ideal. Yeah. That would be ideal. Now, because of COVID, you haven't been able to do that at all? I mean, there's not enough space to, to do that or, or that's just the law? They, they're not allowing that stuff? Um, well, with that, with that nonprofit, they've shut down all in-person activities. Hmm. So they're not doing any in-person activities. They are, they've shut down everything. They've had a few of their employees get really sick with COVID. Okay. They're trying to be very careful. They've still managed to take care of all of their constituents. They are an advocacy agency for the deaf and they've done a wonderful job, but mm-hmm. they've been very cautious during this time. It's understandable. Sure. Now I want to talk about your two children's books on yoga. You have Alphabet Yoga and Wander. So walk yeah. me through the first one. What's the main idea and who is the target audience here? Well, Alphabet Wander or Alphabet Wander, Alpha, the Alphabet book is more of a chance to explore poses in yoga as you go through, as you run through the alphabet. So it's less of a reading book and more of a doing book. Hmm. So I've chosen different poses throughout the alphabet. And there's poses like downward dog. There's poses like tree. And as you go through, um, I like when I create stories, when I create poses, when I create these sequences, mm-hmm. I don't make up names for poses. Okay. I use established names. So that's how I differ from a lot of the other children's yoga teachers. So you just use the real name of the pose. I use the real name of the pose. Mm-hmm. So someone might say, oh, hey, let's do apple pose. Mm -hmm. And then maybe do like a squat, a squatting garland pose. They may, you know, they'll they'll do a a different yoga pose and call it an apple pose. Sticking to my tradition of yoga, part of my yoga is one of the values is truth. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe children should know what the names of the yoga poses are and they should not be taught random different names so that when they grow up, when they go to yoga classes, they will be like, oh, I know what these yoga poses are. I know what these names are. I'm not confused thinking, oh, downward dog is bear pose, which is also deer pose, which is also another pose. Right. It's confusing. It's, it makes them very confusing. So... It makes my sequences different. As you go through the alphabet, you'll find there's no pose for V. (laughs) So I had to get creative and I made up some games. Um, So when you get to V, you have the vampire pose game. Oh, nice. So vampire pose game is kind of like Marco Polo. Okay. So what you do is you have one person who's the vampire and he stands alone in a room or stands in the middle of the room with his eyes closed and everyone walks around. I mean, they're kids. They can run if they really want, just as long as they don't run into each other. Right. And um, then the teacher turns off the light 
and everyone goes into a yoga pose. And then the vampire opens his eyes. The room is completely dark. And the vampire has to go over to someone and then try without touching the person, figure out what yoga pose they're in, and then copy the pose. I see. And then the teacher turns on the light and see if the vampire was able to copy the yoga pose. So as you're doing this whole ABC book, you're not just going a, you know, alligator, boat, chair, dog. You're not just doing that, but you're mm -hmm. interspersing. Here's a little five minute game. It rounds it out so that you have more than just little movements, but some real good action activity in the story. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to take the opportunity to let you know about a brand new resource I recently published. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, I've created an ebook called Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro that walks you through all the little details of producing and launching your own show. So for less than $5, you can own this resource by visiting storykingbooks.com or amazon.com. Those links will be in the show notes. And now back to today's episode. So you have a lot of games, you have a lot of activities, each letter represents something, except for V. V is uh, your vampire game. There's a few game. others. There's a few <laughs> others. There's a few others. So how many, I was going to ask you, are there 25 poses? Like I'm not, I, I do yoga, but I'm not aware of how many poses there are. So you had to do a few like that then. I had to do a few like that. I had to do okay. a few games. Okay. And what would you say is the age range here? What are we talking for, for kids? Oh, that age range really could start at three. Okay. Um, and maybe you'll skip a couple of the games, but you could do, a, you could do at the age of three when you're introducing the alphabet, um, in like a preschool class, mm -hmm. you could do a pose a day as you're introducing the letter a, and then you all could do the pose for letter A. And then the next day when you're doing B, you could do introduce boat pose. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you get to the game, when you get down to V, then you could spend five minutes and do your vampire game. So you, know, you could introduce them each day. If you're with more of an eight-year-old, you could spend 30 minutes and you could do the, do the whole alphabet or maybe you split into two groups. So really you can work on it doesn't really matter. It works well with different age groups okay. um, because it's, it's just yoga, right? It's not, it's not babied down there. It's not babied down. And the older you get, the faster you can do it. You can time it with high school students. You could take out the games with high school students if they don't, if they don't want to do the games and then you could just time it and see how fast they can do it. Right. How fast they can go through the alphabet. And you can even with the high school kids, with the games, with the poses that you take out, I encourage students. So this is where I'm a little, not inconsistent, but I let kids be creative. So I will not come up with a name for a random pose, but mm -hmm. I let kids create names of their own poses. Okay. Okay. So... I won't tell a kid V is vulture pose, do eagle pose. 
And that's now vulture pose. But I won't tell a kid that's doing flying superhero pose or flying Superman pose. Sorry, that's one of the kid poses. Um, warrior three, doing warrior three. That's not vulture pose. If that child thinks that warrior three is their vulture pose, then to that child at that moment, that is their vulture pose. Okay. So if a child comes up with the name of a pose, then to that child at that moment, that is their, that is their vulture pose. That is their pose. Um, and we do that during class. We have time where we stop and we let the kids be creative and create their own pose names or their own poses. Um, but as a teacher, I don't think it's my right. It's not, it's not my duty to tell the kids, hey, I'm going to create names for you. Right. I hope that makes sense. I hope that's not yeah. confusing. No, it, you keep it flexible for kids, right? Okay. Is the idea to go through the whole alphabet in one session or no? If you can. Again, with the older kids, you can go through the whole alphabet in one session. Okay. Um, when you have little kids, it just takes too long. Right. And you don't want to... Little kids just don't have an energy span. They just... They want to move. They want to do a couple poses and then they're done. Right. <laughs> and when they're done, you can't pull them back. It's not worth it. Right. I've tried it. Right. And the second book you have is Wander, which is more poetry, poetry based, right? It's my poetry based. It is one of my babies. Um, I love Wander. So Wander is about a little boy who gets in trouble in the morning and starts to go on an adventure. He sees, he sees this magic, he sees this light and decides he's gonna go on a hike. And as he's going on a hike, he starts seeing these animals. Mm -hmm. He starts seeing an eagle, he starts seeing a wolf and he starts seeing and as he's seeing these animals he starts doing the yoga poses with them that create um, that mimic or not mimic that um, represent them so as he sees them he stops and he does these yoga poses with mm -hmm. them and so as he's going through this journey he starts out very frustrated he's very frustrated he's very mad he you know he should not have gotten in trouble and as he's going through, he encounters a snake. And this is a big snake. And he has to work with the snake to escape it. Hmm. And then as he works through this, and then as he gets up to the top of, the, of this mountain, he realizes that all of his anger is gone. And that he is happy that he went on this journey and that, you know, everything seems to be okay. So it's sort of like a metaphor for the benefits of yoga. Would you say that that's about right? Yeah. A little bit of meditation. Mm -hmm. Very cool. 
Now, my wife and I do yoga once in a while with the kids. Sometimes you mentioned just, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's with the kids. Sometimes it's to get away from the kids. But uh, always how it goes. <laughs> you start going away from the kids, and then they come and join you anyway. Right. I mean, only our youngest, who's six, can ever really be bothered with it. But why do you yes. think it's important for kids to get involved in yoga? Oh. One, because of I strongly believe in bonding experience. So I think every parent should have one thing they do that bonds with their children. I don't care what it is, as long as it's a healthy bonding experience. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. Every parent should have a healthy bonding experience with their child that they do. Um, I've seen so many things around since COVID started that people are doing with their children um, that form that healthy bond relationship. Mm -hmm. But yoga is such a good one because not only um, have I been able to get the benefits of it, um, one, it's really helped with my postpartum depression, but it's taught my children um, how to manage their emotions. My three-year-old, I can get him out of a tantrum, out of a full-blown crying, screaming tantrum by having putting his hands on my hands taking a deep breath and then talking in clear tones, expressing what he needs me, what he wants or what's going on. Really? Um, and that's a lot of practice. And that's also partly because of who he is as a child. I'm not going to discredit the fact that my son is, is a very, he's a very expressive child, mm-hmm. but he always takes a deep breath before he does anything. And that has, I always attribute it to the fact that we do a lot of yoga. We do a lot of deep breathing to help calm down emotions. So from, for us, that's one way that it's very important. Um, and you, know, it also teaches, you know, yoga has certain values, you know, yoga teaches values that are just as philosophical as a lot of religions that we follow, you know, Mm -hmm. the values of yoga follow the same values as Judeo Christianity. Um, They obviously follow the values of Hinduism. They follow the values of Buddhism. So just because it's not a religion, but if you follow the values of yoga, then you're also going to find yourself following the values of your religion. Or if you follow the values of your religion, you're going to follow the values of yoga. Right. So um, those who are agnostic atheists who don't know what they are, when they follow the values of yoga, um, we have tended to find and see that they've been a real big support and an aid to their community. Hmm. So do yoga with your kids. Just play with them. How much can we expect kids to participate in the more meditative elements of yoga? You know, the quieting of the mind and so forth. We have three oh, energetic. Don't expect much. <laughs> don't expect much. So I call this playful yoga. Okay, so okay. in the Iyengar world, kids don't really start yoga until they're eight years old. That's when we really start kid yoga. Okay. Everything from before eight years old is just playing. And even at eight years old, 
we move. They're not ready for meditation. They are not. I mean, you've seen your kids. Mm-hmm. You've seen your eight-year-old. And how many times does your eight-year-old sit down? And even if he is sitting, what is he doing? He's jiggling his legs. He's reading a book. He's doing something active. Mm-hmm. So trying to tell your eight-year-old to release all of his thoughts, <laughs> breathe, count to 100. And I do say, I do ask kids to try that. Usually I ask them to count, try to count to 100 or maybe watch their thoughts cross their mind. And that's about as much meditation as I go. Okay. Um, and I ask them to breathe in and out. Um, that's about as much meditation as I go. Um, because I've seen that work with my kids, but I don't expect anyone to succeed over that. I see. I don't, I don't expect them to do much more than that. Well, that's liberating. (laughs) No, you don't don't expect to have your child. I mean, my daughter loves to sit in, in her meditation pose and just go, um, for 30 seconds to a minute. And she just sits there and that's, and that's her personality. But I can tell you on her brain, there's 50,000 things going, including currently she thinks we're going to get a golden retriever puppy. And so she's naming it right now in her head. So, and then there's my nine-year-old who is thinking every time he's doing yoga and laying on the ground with me, oh my gosh, this just killed me. Why in the world did I volunteer to do this with my mom? <laughs> so they're just, don't, don't put expectations on your kids. I Let them you. have fun. So it's sort of, you're inviting them in, but you're not uh, holding some rigid expectation over their heads with it. Exactly. I gotcha. I gotcha. If you hold an expectation over them, then you're going to get frustrated. And when you're frustrated and they're frustrated because they know they're not able to do the poses as well as you want them to, or as well as the video shows them, then they're not going to want to come back. Right. So tell me about your site, readingyoga.com. What is that about? So this has been a work in a while or a work in progress. Um, So readingyoga.com. I am trying to bring out this idea of playful yoga. I'm trying to bring out this idea of working with your kids, of doing yoga with the kids and what that looks like. You know, what does that sound like? My, my podcast is, you know, right now is with my daughter. My other two kids are actually starting to join in. Mm-hmm. So maybe the next month, it's going to be all three of my kids um, on my podcast. And they're short little podcasts. Um, but, you know, what does yoga sound like when you talk about yoga in your home? And it just gives you little hints of what we do. My blog is sequences. You know, how do you take a hungry little caterpillar and come up with a yoga pose, a yoga sequence to do with the hungry little caterpillar? Hmm. Um, I recently had my, my kids had the idea of taking rocks. We have rocks all over our backyard. Um, it's kind of we live in Bakersfield. It's a very dry area, kind of very much a desert. Hmm. And so we have 
a lot of desert landscaping. So one thing that we have are a lot of large rocks about like this large. And so we picked up a good 10 rocks or so and got some paint markers and we drew yoga poses on the rocks. And then on the back of the rocks, we wrote our website, readinyoga.com and put instructions on the hashtag and encouraged people to go around town and find the rocks and to rehide them. Mm. So unfortunately so far people haven't done it. <laughs> They're still in their original places, but I'm hoping that someone's going to randomly find a rock and be like, Oh, this is really kind of cute. It's a, my, my drawings were stick figures. My daughter did a little more elaborate drawings. I'm not a artist. But we post little projects like that that we do on our website. Um, we do teacher um, free teacher videos, 15 minute videos that teachers can use in classes. Hmm. So those are on there. We have information about BKSI Angar and why you know his life is so important to the yoga world. And then information about me as a writer and the books that I'm currently working on. My dogs are constantly coming in and out of you know, in and out of our videos. So uh, we now have an Instagram page called Read and Yogi's Do Dogies, um, <laughs> where it's going to be all about the kids and the dogs of of Read and Yoga. So we'll have that interspersed throughout, and who knows, maybe this new golden retriever will will make a splash. Nice, <laughs> but. Um, so that's why, so reading yoga is a way to, to look and see different ways that you can bring yoga um, and children into your day, into your life and find a way that works for you. Because mm -hmm. one way is not going to work for everyone. Right. Okay. So basically that's where everything you're doing is centralized on that site, right? Mm -hmm. On readingyoga.com. Awesome. Now, what are some key takeaways you'd want to leave with our listeners today? Key takeaways, don't expect perfection from your kids. Okay. Invite your kids. Always invite and play. Play is the most important thing. If you're not playing with your kids, then why are you even trying? Right. Because they, it's going to be a punishment. For you and for the kids. Right. If you aren't having fun, then, then what are you doing? Right. So, and you can go to classes. Um, if your kids are old enough, if your kids are around different ages, have different age classes. You can check out different classes online. I think I am the only one who has this style of teaching, which is also why I'm trying to get it out to the world. Mm -hmm. So that more people can can see there is different types of yoga teaching, but I I truly believe that children, when they are playing, when they are happy, when they are doing yoga, come up with the most amazing answers to things. I love listening to my children when they're talking um, one with another, and just seeing that peaceful grouping together and then just watching them communicate. If people wanted to follow you online and re even reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? 
uh, read in yoga, um, either website, www.readinyoga.com, Ashley at readinyoga.com. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ashley at readinyoga.com is my email. Instagram, readinyoga, at readinyoga. I seriously have like taken up everything that is readinyoga. The new Instagram for the dogs, read and yogis dogies, read and yogis dogies. And that's going to have some pictures coming up soon. Um, and I think, and I'm not too much on Twitter. I haven't really gotten a hold of Twitter yet. I got gotcha. you. I have the handle. <laughs> I have the handle, but I'm not really much on Twitter. And that's more, Twitter is usually more about my writing than about yoga. Gotcha. Okay. Very good. I'm going to have all those links in the show notes for our listeners. So this has been a learning experience for me. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Ashley. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So that was my conversation with Ashley Fontes. Her links will be in the show notes. Don't forget to sign up on storykingbooks.com to get your free copy of Kane's Confession. Remember, if you're interested in starting your own podcast, you can visit my website or amazon.com and for less than $5, purchase my latest ebook resource, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash the story king. All those links will be in the show notes. One more thing, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the favor of subscribing to it and leaving a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, or the medium of your choice. And share it with your friends and family on social media. I would greatly appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Story King podcast, the show all about fiction, film, and form. Please join us next time. Until then.